Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. And one of the desires of this church is that we wouldn't just know about God, but that we would actually know Him. I said a last service, but scientists can study bugs their whole life, write books about bugs their entire life, study how bugs work and function their entire life, and yet never know a bug. I don't want to be a Christian that studies God, talks about God, writes books about God, but never... Are you hearing me, Orange County? And in this place where there's a lot of great Bible teaching and a lot of great churches, I don't want to just be a great church that teaches the Bible. I want to be a church that knows the voice of God. Come on, if you believe it, say amen. If I can't get a Pentecostal amen, give me a Baptist head nod. Come on. Presbyterian eyebrow raise. Latter-day Saint deep breath. Come on, give me something this morning. I want to warn you, I do have a sense of humor, hopefully. And uh, I would love it if you would laugh every once in a while with me. Come on, just tell your face you're happy right now. Come on. We're going to have a good time today. But if you got your Bible, you're new to our church, we do tell some jokes occasionally. We're going to teach out of Luke chapter 24 today. The story, incidentally, is a story about two guys that were disciples that weren't where they were supposed to be. And it's right after the resurrection of Jesus, so it's right after Easter. God told me to share it uh, after Easter because the story took place after Easter. And uh, it's after Resurrection Sunday. And there was two guys that went on a seven-mile road, walked for about three hours from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And the funniest part of the story is they were walking and God was there and they had no idea. And so today, I want to talk to you today on the, the last week we talked about uh, close talkers. Today I want to talk to you about close walkers. Close walkers. And uh, my title of this message today, uh, if you want to give it a second title or a third title, you can write this down, is you can write this down, uh, it's faster to walk. It's faster to walk. I'm going to try to explain that more this service, because I just said it for a service in the beginning and didn't mention it again. Um, praise God. How many are grateful for a second try? I love second service. It's like, all right, I swung, but I think I missed some of it. Um, I'll get the rest of it second service. But uh, hey, uh, we're going to have a good time today. If you've got your Bible, Luke chapter, uh, Luke chapter 24. If you're there, say I'm there. If you're new to our church, everything I teach on today is out of Luke chapter 24. Again, if you're new to our church or new to church in general, we're glad you're here. We love atheists and skeptics and we love Hindus and Buddhists, Muslims. We love people in different lifestyles. We love people that are all different, all different places. We believe that Jesus was a friend of everybody. The only, actually, the only people that didn't like Jesus was the religious. Isn't that funny? So we're a church that, uh, it's funny, sometimes Christians are like, man, I want to be just like Jesus. Well, people that lived nothing like Jesus love Jesus. So I think it's weird when Christians today live, that Christians today have people that live nothing like Jesus and they hate us. I think if they love Jesus, they should love us. Come on, can I get an amen? Maybe not. Okay, that was annoying. Luke 24, let's go. It says this, let's pick up reading here in verse 13. It says, now behold, two men, how many? Two of these guys were traveling the same day of the resurrection, and they were going to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles, seven miles from Jerusalem. If you're new to our church, by the way, I'm going to read 22 verses. I'm going to pray. I'm going to tell a joke or a story, and then I'm going to get into the, the, the context here, and God's going to show up, and I believe people are going to be healed and experience the presence of God. That's the spoiler. 
which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they walked together and they talked together about the things that had happened in those days. And as they conversed and as they reasoned that Jesus himself drew near as this was going on, and he actually walked with them. But their eyes were restrained, verse 16, so they did not know that it was Jesus. And when Jesus was walking with them, he said, what kind of conversation are you guys having with each other as you walk and are, someone say, sad. So we know that they're walking and we know that they are, they're sad. Then the one whose name was Cleopas, so now we know why they're sad. (laughs) Answered and said, I'm just going to like that name. Answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and have you not known the things which happened in these days? Jesus goes, I love this, he's playing dumb. What things? I just want to let you write this in your notes. This is notes before I get into my notes. Is God never asks questions because he needs information. He is never, whenever God asks a question in the Bible, it is always for the benefit of those being asked. Not for God's. What things? As he's like, what things? So, they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, of course, the prophet, the guy that was mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and the chief priests and the rulers delivered him, and, and they condemned him to death. They crucified him three days ago. But we were hoping, say with me, hoping. So they were walking, they were sad, and they were, they were hoping that he was the one that was going to come and redeem Israel. Uh, indeed, besides all these things, today is the third day, third day, good name for a band, Since these things have happened, yes, and certain women of the company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. They told us that when they got there, they did not find his body and came to us saying that they not only saw a vision of angels, but that the angel said that he was still alive. And a certain of those people who were with us, some other disciples, went to the tomb. They found it exactly like the woman, the women said, and they did not see Jesus. Then, then Jesus said to them, oh, foolish ones, how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Should you not have believed that the Christ was who he said and suffered these things to enter into his glory? In verse 27, greatest Bible teaching, Bible study in the history of humanity. Verse 27, Luke 24, it says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus expounded to them all in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Can you imagine getting a Bible teaching from Jesus? He's like, no, no, you guys, you're missing it. (laughs) You missed the point. Let's go back. So he goes through this Bible teaching, verse 28. Then they drew near to the village that they were going, and Jesus just annoyingly indicated that he was going to keep going further. But it says, but they constrained him. They're like, don't go any further. Abide with us. And it was towards evening, they said, the day's far spent, just hang out with us, stay here. And he went and he stayed with them. Now it came to pass that if they sat at the table, they took the in and out, or it was bread, they blessed it, they broke it, and he gave it to them. And as he did so, their eyes were opened and they knew that it was Jesus. And as soon as they did, he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did our hearts not burn inside of our chest when he talked to us on the road about the scriptures. So they rose up that very hour, returned to Jerusalem, found the 11 who were, uh, of those who were gathered together. And they said, the Lord is alive. He is risen indeed. He appeared to Simon. And they told him about all these things that had happened on the road. And, 
and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. I want to talk to you today about walking close, close walkers, and uh, walking's faster. It's faster to walk. There it is. Lord, I just thank you for second service. Thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you that, Lord, we sense it in the atmosphere, even as we were singing today, that, God, you're on the move. We believe that the great awakenings that have happened all over the earth, God, from, from, from the Welsh revival, uh, God, from, from Azusa Street to the Jesus movement, God, we, we believe that, God, there is a new movement that's getting ready that we are in the very origin stages of. We believe the foundation is being uh, laid. We believe that the ball is being teed up. We know that you're getting ready to swing and that, God, you're going to do something powerful in Orange County, in California, that would reverberate around the nations of the earth. I pray that, Lord, you would start with us here today. Speak clearly. We're listening. And God, for the sake of Thomas, we pray that you bless the trailblazers. In Jesus' name. Come on, someone said amen. 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 I lost a bet, so I, gotta, I have to pray that. Uh, have you been to, who's been to New York City before? Anyone been to New York City? New York City. I mean, I, I, was, so, uh, I was so overwhelmed um, by the beauty, the architecture. Such a creative, such an innovative city. And uh, it was so fun. We got to eat at some of the best. Man, I had the munchies, I think, the whole time we were there. I think I gained like 30. These actually aren't skinny jeans. Um, I, 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 I don't know why if I, if I was hungry because of all the secondhand marijuana smoke I had. Um, but for some reason or another, we ate too much. We went to all these great restaurants. And uh, it was just a fun experience. We lived pretty much on our Google Maps. And it's funny when you pull up Google Maps when you want to go somewhere. Uh, it always gives you a few options. It says you can, you know, you can get there this way. You can get there this way. It's like you can, you can walk, you can Uber, you can drive. There's all these options. And it was funny because we kept taking Ubers because our legs were tired because we were walking everywhere. And we kept getting an Uber after Uber after Uber. But it got really, it got Uber annoying. <laughs> it just came to me. And uh, it was super annoying. Because as we're in these, these SUVs or these cars, we're watching pedestrians get to the destination faster than us. And, it, and, and after a while, I started having these conversations. All of our friends were there. We were there with Eric Johnson and Candace and, and Banning Leapshire and all those guys. And we're just like, you know what? It is actually, it's, it's a half a mile away, and it's faster to walk there. It's a mile and a half away, but it is faster to walk there. It was crazy. It's like 0.7 of a mile it was like 22 minutes to drive or 10 minutes to walk. And I started thinking about this. I knew I was going to teach on the road to Emmaus this Sunday and about walking with God. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, Mark, I want you to tell them the story. And I want you to tell them that in life, there's always advantages like technology. There's advantages like vehicles. There's advantages like trains. There's advantages like airplanes. Air, airplanes. <laughs> That's powerful. Like airplanes. But I was praying last night and the Holy Spirit said to tell you guys that sometimes too much advantage becomes a disadvantage. We live in an era we have so many advantages. We listen to the greatest preachers in the world, greatest teachings in the world. We go to the greatest churches in the world in California. We have some of the best here. But it's interesting that we have so much advantage that if we're not careful, it becomes a disadvantage. You ever seen Rocky before? It's always the wealthy boxer that has everything that usually loses because they don't work the same as those that are hungry to win. And I started thinking about in life, walking with God, it seems like to spend maybe 5, 10, 20 minutes a day, an hour a day with Jesus, 
in a busy culture that we have kids sports, we have job interviews, we have birthday parties, quinceañeras, we got bar mitzvahs, we got super sweet 16s. We got all these things happening all the time, everywhere. There's always a million things to do. There's stagecoach, there's Coachella, there's Charger games, there's Clipper games, there's Laker games for real Christians. There's... There's all these things that are going on all the time, pulling on us. And if we're not careful, what happens is, is all the advantages of life become a disadvantage. Because we get so busy in life that we have time for everything and everyone except the one that made us. And we're more captivated by movie stars than the God that made the stars. And I was thinking about how imperative it is that we wouldn't be a community that just talks about, hey, let's be fangirls, fanboys of God fans and follow God. I want to be a follower. And there is a distinct difference between fans and followers. I was thinking about this today and, and I was looking at these two guys that walk with Jesus. First thing I would like to point out to you is they were where they weren't supposed to be. I was thinking about how Jesus himself personifies the good shepherd. It says that he leaves the 99 for the, in this case, he left the 118 for the two. Because there would actually be 120 in the upper room because Jesus would go after the two that left where they were supposed to be. It's interesting that two guys leave, leave Jerusalem after the resurrection and apparently they were texting every time Jesus said, I'm going to rise on the third day. I'm going to rise. I'm going to be crucified. The son of man is going to be crucified, but he's going to rise on the third day. Everyone's on their phones. They all missed it. But not only did they miss that, these two particular guys, they, they went beyond missing all of Jesus' announcements, they actually heard the, the women come back from the tomb and say, hey, we saw an angel. The, the clothes were folded. He was like, he's not here anymore. He's alive. He's risen. And they came back and told us. And we're like, that was pretty cool. Sounds too good to be true. But then Peter and John ran there. I think John outran him. That's what he told everybody. <laughs> and, and then he, they came back and they said, it was just like the women described. The tomb was empty. And it was interesting that he said he was going to rise on the third day. Ironically, today is the third day. It's always interesting to me that these guys could have left any day and given up, but they actually waited until the third day. These are, the, these are probably the stupidest out of all the disciples. These are the slowest learners out of all of them. And I love that those that were furthest from God were God's first priority when he came back. I feel like, can I preach a little bit today? I'm just going to pretend I'm in this house. I, uh, I was thinking about that these guys walked with God for seven miles, three hours. They walked from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They had no idea they were talking to God, other than the fact that their hearts were burning inside of the ribcage. They're like, this guy's good. This guy knows his stuff. This guy's got some insight. And as they're walking with Jesus uh, for seven miles, their hearts are burning within their ribcages. They're walking with him, but they didn't know they were walking with God. And I actually believe that they could come back today and they could talk to us about their journey of walking with God. I actually believe it would benefit your life and my life in 2019 living in Orange County. They would tell you this if they were standing on the stage today. These two guys would tell you, Cleopas and his buddy, he would tell us today that number, there's a couple things. The reasons why we don't walk with God, number one reason why humanity doesn't walk with God is because like them, they were unaware. Verse 16 says that that Jesus started walking with them, but it says they didn't recognize him. How many people are really, really good moral, maybe really just good people, good individuals, but they're missing out on the privilege that it is to walk with God because simply they're not aware of him. 
They've never been around him before. They never heard his voice. They never had a, a grandma pray for them by name. Never had a mom or dad that said, hey, we're going to go to church. We're going to honor God. How many people live in Orange County? There's 3.2 million, to answer my own question. <laughs> Didn't mean to do that. That was good, though. 40, 49% claim some sort of belief in some sort of God. Out of the 51% that don't, that's about 1.7 million people. And even out of those, that, the 1.6 that claim or 1.5 that claim belief in God, only probably about 2% would go to a church like this that says, you know what, not only is he alive, that what was written in the Bible, God's still doing today. There's not many people that believe what we believe that in, in, in the grand scheme of Orange County. And I was thinking about, man, how God's desire is to walk. Are you hearing me today? To walk with us. Walking was always pretty much a good terminology in the Bible. It says uh, 388 times it uses the word walking in the Bible. I like walking, but I actually prefer running when I'm get, going somewhere because I want to get there. Is there anybody else that's in a hurry all the time? Come on, everybody raise your hands. I've driven with you guys in traffic. Everyone's in a hurry. I'm at a grocery store. I'm scanning for the shortest line. I'm at a stoplight. I'm going to go where there's the least amount of cars. If there's the same amount of cars, I'm actually going to internally calculate who's going to accelerate faster. I got places to go. And I think it's funny that the Bible uses walking or walk 388 times, but only 103 times it uses the word run. It's like God's trying to prove a point that walking is actually faster than running. It's like God's trying to tell us that, yeah, there's technology and there's sports and there's entertainment and you can get busy in life, but you can be so busy and never make it to your destination. I believe this is the narrative of many people that live lives. They live 90 years, 80 years, but they never get to what God created them to get to. Because, listen to me, running by yourself will never get you with walking with God will get you. And I would rather walk with God than run by myself. Come on, can I get an amen in the church today? I just felt like someone needs to hear today that you can walk with God. And if you're too busy for God, I want you to know you're too busy. Because if you're too busy for God, you're too busy to be blessed. You're too busy to be successful. It says that those that meditate in the Bible will be successful in all they do. Joshua chapter 1. It says those who meditate on his word day and night will be like a tree that produces much fruit. If you're too busy for God, you're too busy, friends. Can I get an amen? Come on, it's going to get quiet in the Presbyterian church just for a second. I'm telling you today that God's desire is that you walk with him. It says that in the Genesis chapter 3, that the, one of the first, first things we know about God, it says Adam and Eve heard, heard God walking in the cool of the day. You know the first humans on the earth walk with God? Do you know that Enoch, one of God's favorites, walked with God? It says that he walked with God and he was no more. I don't know what that means, but I want it. I'm the guy that in the restaurant that's like, I don't know if that is on that dish over there, but that's what I want to order. I want what he's having. I'm telling you right now that I want what Enoch had. I want what Noah had. It says that Noah was righteous and perfect in his generation, and he walked with God. It says that Abraham and Isaac walked with God. It says over and over again, these people, they literally spent their lives walking. And I want you to write this down. More important than what your life produces is who you live your life walking with. <clears throat> Steve Jobs gave us some of the greatest technology on the earth. But I want you to know that in heaven, we're not going to be talking about iPhones. We're going to be talking about the King of Kings. Are you hearing me today? Who you walk with is actually more, and I'm not against inventing. I'm not invent, uh, against creating. I'm not against 
leading in entertainment, in business, Wall Street, in the arts, in, in, in the social stratuses. I'm not against any of that. But I do believe that what you do in life is actually only, only very significant if you're doing it walking while walking with God. Close walkers. I see, <clears throat> I've actually believed that if these guys were alive, they would tell you, number one, that most people don't walk with God because they're unaware of his presence. Some of you today are like Jacob at the very first church service in the Bible, that he had an encounter with God at a service he had no, no experience, he never thought he'd experience God in. And he woke up from his dream and he goes, surely God is in this place. And I didn't even know it. Some of you are not aware of God, but he's aware of you. And you're going to encounter God in about 15 minutes here in a significant way. Spiritual formation happens in catac cataclysmic moments, like breakthrough moments. And spiritual formation occurs over perpetual faithfulness. I believe we need moments that God rocks us to the core. And we need moments that we wake up every day and just do the little things, like read our Bibles. So what do you see here is that this guy, he says, look, most people, if they're walking... I walked with Jesus for seven miles for three hours, and I didn't know it was him because I was unaware. The second reason why human beings do not walk with God is not only because they're unaware of him. Number two, man does not walk with God because, number two, there's sadness in their life. I believe most of us shut down if we experience something traumatic. You see, it says in verse 16 they were unaware of his presence, but in verse 17, Jesus asked them, he says, Hey, what are you guys talking about as you walk, and why are you sad? Jesus takes the time to ask them, why are you sad? They're like, are you the only idiot in Jerusalem who doesn't know what happened to Jesus of Nazareth? He's like, you're talking to him. He probably should have said that. They would have, okay, that would have been an interesting story. But you know what's interesting is they literally are going, you know what? We're sad. We're sad. We're, Jesus says, I noticed that you're talking and you're sad. Most people miss out on walking with God because of injustice or pain in the world that makes them fundamentally sad. And they go, God can't be good because there's bad things in the world. And I believe many people never show up to a church, would never go to a church service, listen to a message like this, because of something in their life that was traumatic or sad that they blame God for. But I want you to know today that God is not the source of your pain. He's the source of your peace. And if you'll invite God today into your pain, you'll know him as the God that brings peace. I'm telling you right now, some of you, I feel something in here right now. Some of you are crediting God for the bad things of your life, but you're not giving him any credit for the good things of your life. And I would encourage you to change the script and say, you know what, God, I'm going to give you credit for all the good things, but I'm going to invite you into all the painful things. He would say, these two guys would say, you walk with God or you don't, excuse me, walk with God. Because you're unaware. Or number two, why don't we walk with God? Because of sad things that we've experienced in our life. The third thing that it says about these guys, of why they didn't know they were walking with God, is it's because it says that they were hopeless. In verse 21, they said to him, we're sad because we were hoping this mighty prophet who was powerful in words and deeds. He was such a good talker. People forgot they were hungry for three days at a time. He raised dead people back to life. He made a really, really greedy thug that was in the, that was in the Jewish mafia named Zacchaeus, the most generous guy in his city. This guy, Jesus, was amazing. And we were hoping, hoping that he would redeem Israel. You see, God is so big and he's so good that he'll give you what you need, but not always what you want. 
And they lost their hope because God was giving them what they needed, not what they wanted. You see, humanity, they wanted Palm Sunday, that Jesus to be the king to take over the Roman Empire. But God goes back seven days later and he rises as the savior over all of humanity. And guess what? It's interesting. The same crowd that shouted Hosanna when God was giving them what they wanted was the exact crowd that shouted crucify him when they shouted he's not giving us what we need or what we think we need. Are you still tracking with me? Interesting that we find here that these guys would say I didn't walk with God because I was actually unaware. I was sad and I was hopeless. Some of you today, you're like, I don't know if God's real, Mark. I don't know if you can tell me that he's real. And you know what the truth is? Is you're not reacting to a theological framework. You're responding to some sort of logic. You're actually reacting to some area of your life that you've lost hope in. I want you to know that you can lose a job. You can lose a car. You can lose a house. I've met people successfully survive divorces and losing things that were so valuable to them. You can lose a lot of things in life, but you can't lose your hope. And you know why you can't lose hope? Because hope is what you need. It's one of the key ingredients of faith. Hebrews 11 says that faith is a substance of things hoped for. So you could say it like this. You can never have faith if you don't have hope. And these guys weren't weren't aware that they were walking with God because they lost their hope. And I want you to know today, the reason I'm going to flip these upside down on you is I do believe that you can be aware of God, that you don't have to live sad, and that you can actually live your life full of hope. I'm going to say it another way. Get your hopes up, Orange County. Get your hopes up, Oceans Church. Where we are isn't where we're going to end up. We're going to keep on hoping in God. Can I get a good amen? These guys missed it because they lost their hope. They were sad. They were unaware. And number four, the reason why they missed it is because they gave up prematurely. My, my, my greatest frustration with these two disciples is, is out of all the days to quit, why would you quit the day that all the ladies said, yeah, we saw an angel? They said he's alive. Why would you quit when Peter and John came back? They're like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he didn't mention that he was going to rise on the third day. Actually, even the religious leaders knew that he said he was going to rise on the third day. Because they actually hired Roman officers to guard the tomb because they said, remember he said that he was going to rise on the third day? And they paid these soldiers to guard the tomb. And it says that these soldiers saw the angels, the stone rolled away, and they, they actually went to the high priest and they said, look, we're going to pay you a lot of money. Just tell everybody that the disciples stole his body. It says that that rumor circulated to this day. I'm sorry, I'm going a little too deep than I should go. But it's interesting that, that everyone knew that the third day was significant, except the two morons walking away. They gave up prematurely. And I felt like if I could talk to all of us today, I'm guilty of this. There's been moments of my life that I lost hope prematurely. Can I just encourage you today? Don't give up. It's always too soon to quit. I don't know who I'm preaching to. It's always too soon to quit. I'll say it another way. You, you won't lose if you don't quit. If God is in the equation, he's always, you and God are always the major majority. He doesn't need everybody on your side. He doesn't need a vast army behind you. You and God are all, are you hearing me today? I feel like getting a response out of something. God, God in your corner gives you majority favor. And I just felt like someone needs to know that don't give up prematurely because you won't walk with God if you give up on him prematurely. Well, I went to camp when I was 12. I thought I encountered God, but then I went home and everything fell apart. Don't give up prematurely. 
Well, I went to church and I raised my hand at an altar call and my life didn't miraculously change and all my hair on my head didn't grow back and all my fingernails didn't get healthy and everything in my life, my, my complexion got perfect and I didn't have a million dollars in my bank account. Don't give up prematurely on God. Well, I, I went to church for six months. I tried tithing for two weeks and all my debt didn't go away. Stop giving up prematurely. Why do we give ourselves our lifetime to make mistakes and give God 20 seconds to fix everything? It's a bit of a double standard, isn't it? Like I've been driving this thing into the ground for 35 years, but God, if you're real, you better redeem everything in 20 seconds. I feel like preaching. I believe these guys would tell us that you walk with God. Here's what we do. How do you... How do you walk with God? And I'll, I'll land the plane here, this service. I believe that these two guys were standing on the platform. They would tell us because of their experience. They would say, our experience, the experiential theology teaches us that God is able to walk with, if number one, write this down, we walk with God when we fundamentally know that he cares about us. Write this down. You'll walk with God if you know that he cares. Write it down. Know that he cares. Notice that Jesus comes to them when they're going the wrong way, leaving where they're supposed to be, giving up prematurely. What, what does he say? He goes, hey, guys, what are you talking about? And they said all this stuff. And he goes, what, what, what things? They're like, haven't you heard all the things that are happening in Jerusalem? And Jesus goes, what things? Notice this, that God, listen, he just raised from the dead. He could have talked to anyone on the earth. But he demonstrates that he is the good shepherd that goes after those that are the furthest away. And he comes back, and this is a, this is the message. Next week I'm going to talk about this, that, it's, that, that there's close calls. Do you know that the greatest leader of the early church, Peter, almost gave up after the resurrection? He said, let's go fishing. He wasn't saying, let's go fishing. He said, let's go back to our old life. And literally in John 21, I'm going to preach out of it next week. It's always too soon to quit because God will always go to those that are furthest away first. That's a shepherd. Shepherds will lead the 99 healthy people to go after the one sick. Some of you are like, I'm too far from God for him to reach me. No, no, that's a close call, but he'll come after you. I want you to know in this, in this atmosphere, you'll walk with God if, number one, you know that he cares about you. Do you know who's no fun to talk to? People that don't care. <laughs> You've been there before? What's the weather like? I was in New York this week. I, could, I have a lot of illustrations. <laughs> You ever talk to someone that's just disinterested? You ever talk to someone that didn't care so much that they didn't even make eye contact with you? Hey, hey, how much does this t-shirt cost? You ever went into a store that sells expensive things and the employees treat you like they're wealthier than you are? Come on, somebody. I'm like, why are people so rude in nice stores? Like, they're judging me because I'm not, like, dressed all to the nines. It's like, you ever been in an atmosphere like, they don't listen to you because they don't. I want you to know fundamentally, if you're going to walk with God, you have to believe in your heart that he cares. What does he care about? He says, what things? You know what he cares about? Everything. He cares about everything in your life. Would you write that down? When you wake up in the morning, guess what? I, I want you to get this. This is how we walk with God. You wake up in the morning and go, God, what, what are the things that you care about today? What do you want me to do today? I believe that God cares about all the things in our life. If you believe it, come on, say amen. Number two, we walk with God. These guys will tell us, you'll walk with God if you know that he cares, verse 17. You'll know that you'll walk with God if, number two, if you'll give him permission to ask you anything. 
You know why most of us, we only have a superficial relationship with God? Because we only give him some of the real estate in our hearts. We only give him like, like partial custody of who we are. And I want you to know today that Jesus didn't go to the cross to get partial custody of any of us. He wants full custody. God is actually a God that burns to know all of us. And I actually think that most of us, if we're being honest, we're like, hey, God, you can speak to me at church, but just not in the boardroom. You can speak to me about, man, like, you know, spiritual things, but don't talk to me about the music I listen to, about the movies that I watch, about the habits that I participate in, about the the language that comes out of my mouth. You can ask anything, but just don't talk about any of the areas that are like, my special things, my precious. I think all of us, if we're not careful, we'll actually see God in only certain contexts. The, the banking up here, I'm almost finished. I believe this, that how you perceive God is how you receive God. And if you see God, as a, if you see Jesus only as a carpenter, he'll, he'll fix your cabinets. But if you see God as the God that can heal cancer, he'll heal your cancer. If you see God as the God that speaks to you on a daily basis, He'll speak to you on a daily basis. Well, preacher, I went to a church that said miracles were for yesterday and all the great things stopped with the apostles. Exactly. Your preacher's gotten exactly what he's been believing for. And I'm telling you right now that miracles stop when we stop believing that God can do them. Are you following me? And write this down. I have a problem with any theology that requires zero faith. I have a problem with it. Because Hebrews 11 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you're telling me that God would be honored to believe that he can't do anything today in my life. Let me honor God. God, I know you don't care. I know you can't help. And I know all I can do is read fun stories from the past. I don't think that requires faith. And I don't think that faithless Christianity honors God. That's good preaching. Preach, preacher. I don't get preaching when I hear it. Amen. Say amen to myself. You guys aren't helping me out this morning. Number three, I believe these guys, these guys would tell you how to walk with God. They would tell you this, always look at scriptures with Jesus and with Jesus in mind. I I, I really felt strong on this one. Always read the Bible. Let's say, say it modern day. Always read the Bible with God and with God in mind. I can't tell you how many atheist friends I've had in my life that could rattle off scriptures, that went to cemetery and then walk, seminary, <clears throat> walked away from God. So smart theologically, but so bankrupt of any spiritual knowledge. And you know what the problem is? Is when you read the Bible like a history book, it'll only be a history book. You read the Bible only as a science book, it'll only be a science book. You read the Bible only for English literature, it'll be an English literature book. But when you read the Bible believing that this is the book that God is and he speaks through, you start reading it and when it starts speaking back to you. You know what happens is you need the Holy Spirit to actually get what the Spirit wrote in the Bible. I'll say it this way. You'll never never paint like Michelangelo unless you have the spirit of Michelangelo. You'll never write literature like Shakespeare unless you have the intellect and the spirit of William Shakespeare. You'll never play the piano and write sympathies like Bach unless you have the intellect and the spirit of Bach. And guess what, church, today, it is no different. You will never get all that God has from you in the scriptures without being filled with the spirit of the God that wrote the Bible. I'm going to talk on the Holy Spirit after this close series is done. 
And I'm going to reintroduce Orange County to a Holy Spirit that's not weird. A Holy Spirit that still speaks. A Holy Spirit that magnifies the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit that can be grieved, has feelings, who's not weird, who's not eccentric. There are some weird people filled with the Holy Spirit, but they would be weird without the Holy Spirit. We will be supernaturally natural and naturally supernatural. Can I get an amen? And there's hungry, I'm telling you, there are some hungry people in Orange County. They're hungry for the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that knows the heart of God. Because no one knows the mind of a man except the spirit of a man. And no one knows the mind of God except the spirit of God. I feel something in here today. I'm telling you, friend, that you read the Bible inviting, saying like this, God, would you speak to me as I read this book? One theologian said that for, to truly understand a scripture is a miracle. And it's the same miracle because as you, let me fair, he says it this way, to read a scripture and understand it is miraculous because you're actually experiencing the same thing that the man that wrote it experienced. The Holy Spirit breathes it to life. Don't just read it and just say, I'm going to read my, my two chapters, check the box, and go on with my day. Read, this is what they would say. They would say, guess what? Talk to Jesus with Jesus in mind. Why? Because they, they were walking with him, and he started with Moses and the prophets, and went through the entire Old Testament. By the way, if it bugs you for preachers to teach out of the Old Testament, you wouldn't like Jesus preaching. Because he started with Moses and all of his writings. And he walked him through all of the entire Old Testament. And he's like, hey, remember this story? He's like, yeah, that's me. Passover lamb, yeah, that's, that's me. You know the rod? Yeah, that's me. You know the Ark of the Covenant? Yeah, that's me. You know the, you know, you know the kinsman redeemer? Yeah, that's, that's me. You know, you, know, you know the God that's uh, the fire, fire uh, by day and the pillar by night? Yeah, that's me. And he walked him through every type and shadow in the Old Testament. And he's like, you know the ladder between heaven and earth? Yeah, that's me. You know the angels go up and go down? Yeah, they go up on me. And he started walking him through the greatest Bible study ever recorded. That wasn't recorded. And guess what? These guys, if they were here today, they say, you know what? We walk with God. And it got interesting when we walk with him reading the Bible with him in mind. I could do a message on every one of these points. Fourth thing I want you to write down, you want to walk with God? Stay hungry. Stay hungry. Why would you say that? Because it actually says, which these passages always bug me in the Bible, it says in verse 20, 28 that Jesus would have kept walking. And it kind of reminds me, it says, in, it says in Mark's gospel that he was walking on the water and he would have walked by them. Why does, it, why does the author feel like it's necessary to put in there, he would have kept going? Because he wants you to know that Jesus only stopped when the crowd got hungry. And I want you to know that these guys teach us a valuable lesson. The only reason they got a revelation of who Jesus was is because they wouldn't let him keep going without them. They said, stop! I believe, write this down, your hunger for God will directly determine your revelation of God. And some of you will live your entire lives at a four revelation when you could have had a 10 because all you were hungry for was a four. But I'm telling you today, if you get out of your traditions and your religious clergy, uh, like uh, religious, uh, like traditional mentality and say, God, if you're outside of what I've experienced, I still want you. If you're bigger than I think you are, I still want you. If it's contrary to the little church I grew up 
grew up in, I still want you. If it's beyond my intellect and my IQ, I still want you. And if there's moments that I don't understand you, I still trust you. If you will give God permission to show you all that he has for you and get hungry and stay hungry. Again, the biggest problem with Orange County is our advantage. Our advantage has become our disadvantage. Because we have so much money, we, 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 we spend all of our money on our kids' education so our kids can go to sports every day a week, so our kids can go to acting classes so they can become famous. But I want to remind you, Orange County, that education and fame and money without God only makes wealthier, more educated, famous devils. I don't want kids that know how to be famous and know how to be rich and know how to be educated, but I never, I rob them of valuing church where they can know God. If you're too busy to get your kids in church all the time, you're too busy. Because what good is it if they get a good education and, and they, they're good at sports and they become a pro athlete or a scholar at Harvard, but you took them out of church every Sunday and they never built a relationship with God? What good is it if they're wealthy, famous, and, and amazing if they never spend eternity with you? I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm kicking some cows today. I know it. Some sacred cows in Orange County. Because we, we'll, 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 we want the death penalty for a woman that cheated to put her kids to college. But we're fine with people murdering their wives. Because we value education more than almost anything else. Because we think education and money is the most important thing on the earth. It's not. It's God. Jesus is the most valuable resource on planet earth. I'm not anti-education. I'm not anti-success. I'm not anti-fame. I'm not anti-any of that stuff. I'm just saying to get everything in life without God is to get nothing. That will tweet right there. Stay hungry for God. And number five, ask God. The greatest thing we can do to walk with God is to perpetually ask him to open up our eyes so that we can know him. When you think you have God all figured out, you're actually mistaken. Because he's never fully figured out. Heard one guy say, well, I've read the Bible cover to cover. Why would I ever read it again? Did the Bible change? Nope. But your life did. And because your life changed, the application of the Bible changed. Reading the Bible when you're a storm gives you a new perspective of storms in the Bible. Reading the Bible in a prosperity time of your life gives you a different revelation of prosperity in the Bible. Reading the Bible of grief seasons of your life gives you a greater understanding. Listen to me. I don't, I don't, need, I, 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 I don't need a miracle working God necessarily. When I'm, when I'm lonely, I need, a, I need a God that's closer than a brother. When I've lost my way, I don't need some powerful message. I need a shepherd that leads me back to the right place. And you read the Bible and you see it differently when you're in different spaces. That's why you never outgrow reading the Bible. You might outgrow your high school, your junior high school, or your college, but you will never get too big to read your Bible. And little thing, you never arrive. <laughs> you will always be, there always is, a, it's like New York City, it's like Los Angeles, there's always a part of you that's under construction. Would you stand to your feet? I'm finished. We're going to be a close walking church. Because I promise you, walking with God is way faster than running by yourself. Walking with God, spending time with Him every day, will get you places. Because the presence of God, it gives you, it gives you strategies. 
presence of God makes you smarter. Some people think I'm really smart at times in meetings. I've been in meetings with teams like, man, how did you know how to solve that problem? I'm not that smart. I just spend time with God. And I'm telling you that people will mistake intelligence with your revelation that God gives you. Because God gives you solutions in his presence that you'll never find in other, any other place. Your intelligence goes up, answers come, problems are solved. It's just, the presence of God is like miracle grow that causes everything in your life to thrive. But it's funny because we're like, well, I don't have time for that. Don't you realize I have to make things happen? I got to hustle. I'm just telling you right now, you can do less hustling if you bring God into your life. He opens up doors that no man can shut. He'll shut doors that no man can open. He is the divine tour guide. He is the orchestrator of our steps. Yeah. He's alighted to our feet. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.